I'm Dana J. Francois. And I'm Michaela Alexis. And you're listening to The, the Damn, Damn Podcast. So today's podcast is a very important one because this month is Black History Month. And we want to talk about our experiences growing up being Black women in a whitewashed country, how it shaped us into the woman we are today, and the struggles we face along the way. We're also going to touch up on some sensitive topics, so trigger warning, police brutality, racism, Black trauma, etc. If these topics are triggering to you, go ahead and turn off this episode and come back with us for next week. It'll be a lot more lighthearted and we'll have our first very special guest so with that being said let's get into it so Michaela Dana happy black history month happy black history month yes <laughs> finally I know but happy black history month every month period yeah <laughs> i mean my melanin is popping every month so yeah, every day so <laughs> i think that this has always been such like an important topic mm-hmm. and time for me i have experienced so much turmoil surrounding yeah. this you know and only in recent years have i become much more vocal about it yeah because you're less scared to talk about it and it, there's just a lot more support yeah especially after the mess that was 2020 Mm -hmm. the way that i felt engulfed in the very best way engulfed into a community of people of color exactly because you're like oh this it's so like a lot of people are facing these things yeah and it also opened your eyes to be like that wasn't normal certain Mm -hmm. things that we both experienced we're like oh we would have to look back at our childhood and our past and be like oh this happened to me too and a lot of people are saying that was like not a normal thing and we just kind of grew up thinking certain things were normal Mm -hmm. when they were it's really crazy i always talk about this with my two best friends because Mm -hmm. the three of us were in such a similar situation but also it's really interesting to me to have these conversations with michaela because we both have experienced similar experiences but also in the way that they were so different from each other but they were each like individually unique yeah exactly because i experienced being you know a person of color raised by a white family in a mm-hmm. white suburban neighborhood you know yeah. church community all of that mm-hmm. whereas Michaela you know is obviously biracial and mm-hmm. she's been kind of struggling between two like countering identities I yeah which one do I fit into am I even basically let me say like allowed yeah. to be a part of this community you yeah. know there's and it, always those those fights definitely and it took us a long time to kind of be instead of you know struggling between mm-hmm. different like where do we fit it's kind of the reality of the situation is fuck all of that yeah (laughs) yeah no really though (laughs) i am who i am and i can be whatever whatever the fuck i want to be be. yeah and my skin color shouldn't determine determine that that. yeah because it's not something that should be it shouldn't be a factor factor. yeah and we we talk about our our childhood Mm -hmm. especially i think the most like formative years yeah it's difficult when you're you know Mm -hmm. 13 14 years old and and you're having people basically give you your own identity yeah or tell you this or that about yourself Mm -hmm. when you're trying to figure out you are in the formative years you're trying to figure out who am i and you're telling me who i am yeah honestly that was the reality of growing up my entire life Uh but it wasn't until that moment that is the most like 
I guess, what is the word? Like something that just like imprints on your life. Yeah. Just a very, just like a, a like a formed memory. Yeah. That forever changed everything, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was And you when, would always think of that moment. Yeah. In any, like, and that was when we, like when I went to that junior high. Yeah. And I would basically hear mm-hmm. these people giving me my own identity or yeah. telling me telling about me myself. who I am yeah. and what I am. Yeah. Telling me what race I am too, you know, like yeah. always being like, you're not black. You're not white. Yeah. You're not. You may look this way, but You're I'm going to tell you who you, you are. are. And I'm like, what the, f- like, how the fuck are you going to tell me what I am? Yeah. And I would always say that. And like, I would get angry when they would say things, but I would be like, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, okay, like, whatever. So I would just laugh it off, but like, realizing that wasn't okay. Yeah. The N word. Black girls are ugly. I don't date black girls. You're pretty for for a black black girl. girl. I bet you win a fight. Your hair looks like a pillow. Can I touch it? No. White person grabs for it anyways. And yes, this this still happens happens to this day. day. So in conclusion, don't touch my fucking hair. You're intimidating. You're so ghetto. You're like a walking Oreo. You You don't don't count. count. These are just some of the things that we heard daily growing up. So let's talk microaggressions. Especially being a black girl growing up in a predominantly white suburban neighborhood or a biracial girl constantly stuck between two dividing identities so Michaela, how about you start by kind of sharing your experience with microaggressions growing up and how like that has kind of affected you growing up i was always told i wasn't black enough or white enough to exist in any of those cultures i was too whitewashed to be black and way too ghetto to be white which i hated when people used that term ghetto Mm -hmm. towards only black people yeah Because I promise you, the only thing that's more ghetto than anything else are those racist-ass motherfuckers that say that to us all the time. Yes. And I still hear that till this day, that you're so ghetto. You're so ghetto. And it's just kind of confusing to me because how, you know? And then black people always tell me, oh, you're so whitewashed. Mm -hmm. And oh, you wouldn't understand when they're talking about certain things because I'm biracial. And they would be like, oh, you don't understand. Or your family probably doesn't even do these things. And I would be like, yes, my family does. My family does have family reunions. Me and my family, you know, like hang out. White people would always make me feel like I was so ghetto and I was so weird or some shit like i was like oh don't come with us like don't hang out with us because you know you're so black and yeah and honestly it should be it honestly should just be like fuck that yeah like you come from two Mm -hmm you know different identities two different communities and those two communities should be embracing you they should not Mm -hmm. be ostracizing you yeah exactly like you should not be ostracized by both of your own communities exactly that's literally so fucked up yeah they were it just kind of felt like you're not invited in either so i was like so where do i fit do i fit anywhere or i was always told you're not white or black you're mexican you're something else Mm -hmm. and i'm like what i know what i am yeah and it was i was always told that and i was always told that growing up that you're not black you're not white you're mexican and i'd be like no i'm not i'm white and black like it's just weird how are you gonna tell me what race i am how are you gonna you know i i myself i know what i am and also facing you know this will be talked about later on um in this podcast but facing racism in my own family mm-hmm. towards my to me like towards me and then going to school and like talking to these people and then racism there was kind of like, where am I good enough to fit in? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You know, I was facing it, being told I was too black in a certain family member, you know? And then going to school, I was told I was too white. So I was like, okay, so where do I go with this? But later on, we will 
talk about that. But those are just a few things that I've experienced growing up. Yeah, I definitely agree with Michaela. The amount of times that I felt ostracized because I wasn't quote unquote black Mm -hmm. enough and I clearly wasn't white are endless. I think no one has ever had any right to revoke my black card. You know, I am adopted and I'm black. Mm -hmm. You can be both. Yes. I speak the way I speak. I don't quote unquote talk like a white person. Mm -hmm. I act the way I act and that doesn't make me not black enough. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so stupid. I face the same oppressions and adversity as everyone else in my community does. There are things I had to educate myself on because I didn't understand why people were treating me differently even when I face the same thing every other black person does as well. I face mindless discrimination. I face microaggressions. I hurt and I get angry and I want justice. I want my kids because my kids will be black. You know, I want my kids to live in a world where they don't have to face the same shit that I did. There were so many times when I would hear comments growing up that I was the whitest black girl they ever met or mm-hmm. am I sure I'm even black? Like, ha 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 ha, you know? Yeah. Um, you're not like them. Yeah saying black people People. because i'm different because you grew up in a white family but like being raised a certain way doesn't fucking change who you are it doesn't take the color of your skin off your body yeah and it doesn't face that when someone when someone on the fucking street sees me they're not gonna be like oh Oh, she she was was raised raised by by white white people." people No. No, they're going to see, oh, a black girl. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. I walk into fucking Brandy Melville and I feel eyes on me. Yeah, exactly. You know? They're not going to see me and be like, oh, she's okay because she was raised by white people. They don't know that. Exactly. Yeah. But it's just having to be constantly told that I don't fit in, that I'm not actually black or I'm just, I'm, you know, you don't fit in. You're They're actually black and like you're, you know, like they made me feel like I was like some kind of like experiment, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Or like i was just like some kind of fucking so unique it's so rare it's so wow yeah and yeah and i'm also gonna touch back later like michaela said we're gonna touch back a little bit more on our stories but like obviously i was adopted Mm -hmm. and i was you know grown up and like it's not so much like my family that made me feel ostracized it was just the communities that my family was in especially i think like our church community that we were in where they just saw like this little black baby and it was kind of like just a shock to all of them that they were just like i want one you know like it was like it was was, like it was just fucking it was fucking weird and it just started like this whole thing and i'm gonna get into that later but it was just weird you know so i guess it's it's just it's just i don't want my kids to have to like face the same things that i did Mm -hmm. and i guess there's times when i just sit with myself and i sit with my thoughts and i think about like the little black girl i once was who was so confused and so hurt and i just want her to know how we feel now today and that i'm just like i'm not sorry to speak up and i'm not sorry Mm -mm. to have something to say and make my voice heard Black Lives Matter is not just a trend that you post about. Black Lives Matter is a movement for our lives, justice, and unity. A way to remember all of our brothers and our sisters who lost their lives due to injustice acts. A way to remember their names and learn their stories. Sleeping, jogging, existing. We're just fucking existing. Trayvon Martin. Philandra Castile, Alton Sterling, Sandra Bland, Michael Brown Jr., Eric Gardner, Tamia Rice, and Freddie Gray, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna
Breonna Taylor, Sean Reed, Elijah McClain, George Floyd. Breonna Taylor was killed by police on March 13, 2020. She was only 26 years old and was an essential worker. She worked as an EMT working at two hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic in Louisville, Kentucky. Police broke through her door with a batting ram. They sprayed gunfire into her home, shooting her eight times. She died in her hallway alone. Trayvon Martin was a 17-year-old kid walking home from a convenience store after buying snacks. A neighborhood watch person saw him, assumed he was suspicious, but a 911 dispatcher told him, do not pursue it. He did it anyways and fatally shot Trayvon 70 yards away from his home. His killer, George Zimmerman, was not convicted of any charges. George Floyd was murdered by police officer Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis, Minnesota during an arrest after a store clerk suspected Floyd may have used a counterfeit $20 bill on May 25th, 2020. We had to all come together to beg for justice on the murder that we all witnessed. George Floyd seemingly sparked racial movement that occurred the summer of 2020. Protests, looting, and change was just the beginning. And there's still so much more work to be done. These are not just names. These are not just hashtags. These are our brothers and our sisters. Innocent black lives taken merely just for existing. Remember their names and learn their stories. Understand why it is that we're fighting and what black lives matter really means. Their lives mattered our lives matter black Black lives lives matter matter. and you know what dana i face this every single day at work the counter argument that black lives matter why is it seemingly when suddenly we're trying to call attention to the injustice acts being done to people of color people with disabilities just Mm -hmm. you know regular humans like regular people why is it suddenly people who don't face issues you know privileged people mm-hmm. suddenly are like uh, 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 um um no i'm offended i take offense <sighs> i'm i'm being attacked they like, want to be down. oppressed so, so bad. bad like it's a fucking cool thing it's like a fucking trend it's like they're like so oh yeah awesome. fucking like, oppression i'm so happy like, like i'm oppressed shit. too i'm oppressed all the time no you're not you might think you're oppressed because we're telling you and trying to let you know like this is not okay and you might think oh my god you're bullying me no we're telling you that it's not okay to be racist we're telling you it's not okay to fucking treat people of color like fucking garbage because you're the superior fucking race that's not how it is and that's not true we're saying black lives matter because we have to sit home and watch someone who looks like us like our brother like our sister like our dad our uncle our grandfather be fucking murdered in front of the world for all to see and then his murderers get walk away. free and it happens so often that people see it and go wow another person and it gets swept under the rug and it gets moved forward like nothing and then another another person dies and another one gets hurt and it's like can we do something about this and that's exactly what george floyd's movement was it was like we continue to see it it was enough was enough at that point mm-hmm. and enough it's was still and it's still enough. going on till this day yes we still see somebody else get hurt and it's not just only black people it's so many people and i'm so sick and tired of seeing it and it's so draining and imagine how they feel imagine how it's trans people too like there's so many things going on people trans people asian community community. Mm -hmm. everyone faces prejudice and white people are like sorry i fucking said it but white people white racist fucking people let me just refer rephrase that because obviously Mm -hmm. there are white people who are on our side and they know that they have Privilege. privilege you know and i also know as being a biracial woman that i also have privilege myself because i am half white so i know my privilege and i know the difference that i face and what dana goes through are completely different things and but i could see that and i'm so tired of seeing white people sit there and turn a blind eye and say oh 
nope, there's no difference. You guys, racism doesn't exist. And you want to know what? Someone told me that at my work. Which, by the way, I work at a place where it's filled with, you know, conservative, racist people. People. And I won't say every single one, obviously, because, you know, but a majority. Um, some are, people. And it's a majority not, of the people are what you would say, you know, right winged. Yes conservative the quote-unquote christian yeah and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it like you believe what you believe well obviously there's but there's something wrong with it when you believe it when it's based into oppression yes you believe it and when it's based into fucking hatred Mm -hmm. like you can claim i'm a christian you can claim i'm a conservative you can claim i'm this or that but we understand when you're saying this or that but what you really mean is i'm racist exactly what you really mean is i i have hatred in my heart because you can be you can fucking have you know conservative beliefs you can have christian Mm -hmm. beliefs and you can be a decent fucking human being you could be a part like a person who has feelings and understands other people's feelings like it's honestly fucking insane and i literally was told that racism isn't a thing anymore and i kind of was taken back and i was just kind of like and that was my valentina bag like i was like what did you just say to me like what how can you say that to a black woman how can you say that when i face this every day and it's it's tiring that people continue to say that it doesn't exist when we continue to see it every single day especially after 2020 when we were fucking so loud and we were marching we were protesting all of it was happening we were showing you that what's happening right now Mm -hmm. it was happening five years ago Mm -hmm. 10 years ago 15 20 25 30 people try to say like racism happened millions of years ago they Mm -hmm. try to say you see the stuff that you learned in history that's light years away no it wasn't they're like that shit was in black and white fuck no it was in color they put it in black and white to make it look like it was a long time ago yeah martin luther king's jr's granddaughter is still alive if yeah. he wasn't assassinated he would still be fucking alive he'd be he the age of it. fucking boomers like yeah don't, don't make it seem like it was like in the 1800s because literally it was it still exists and it's still here and it, we're still facing every single day and just because like we were so loud when the whole george floyd you know movement happened they think oh well you guys had your moment you're done you're over it we saw it's over now no it's not it's still here and racism is a lot more louder than it was now and it's starting to become a lot more louder because it was loud then it got a little quiet and then when all that movement happened it started getting louder and louder and you know the fucking kkk still exists till this day the proud boys yeah the fucking just confet like the confederates like it's fucking still here george floyd's murder wasn't it he was a part didn't of it. He, they literally find kkk and paperwork in, in a fucking house, hood yeah. in his house like yeah. yeah it's still a thing and i'm so tired of people saying that it doesn't exist anymore and that people are being oppressed like the white people are being oppressed no you're fucking not and what makes me livid what makes my blood boil is that when we're saying we are being killed we are being discriminated against we are being hated for existing and you want to suddenly be like well, why are you saying black lives matter all lives matter we're not saying your life doesn't matter when we say black lives matter we're saying black lives matter too we're not saying our lives matter and we're the only ones that fucking matter no we're saying our lives matter just as much as your life matters so when you sit there and you say all lives matter you're taking what we're trying to say away you're you're trying to tell us that we don't matter as much as you matter yeah we obviously fucking know all lives matter are you fucking stupid that's what we're trying to tell you that we fucking matter too we are here too and we deserve to be treated the exact same way you are honestly when you say that all lives matter i think what they're really saying is that us bringing attention to the injustice acts that black people Mm -hmm. people of color the lgbtq plus community and disabled people experience in the face of adversity makes privileged people feel uncomfortable uncomfortable for sure
And saying that all lives matter is a dividing response when right now in a time where there's just already too much frustration and too much hurt, you know, saying all lives matter is a dividing response in a time that's already frustrating and hurtful. Saying all lives matter is not a show of solidarity. You're not saying, oh, all lives matter because we like all stand together. No. You're not saying that. Rather, it's more racism and complete obliviousness of the movement. It's ignorant. It's ignorant. And the phrase all lives matter lacks empathy and shows a person is blind to the innocent lives lost of families broken by injustice Mm -hmm. and of young black boys and girls who are watching our words and actions. If all lives matter, why does the NAACP say that black Americans are five times more likely to get arrested? It doesn't seem like all lives see justice in this area, right? Mm-mm. And if all lives matter, why does a study from Harvard say that black employees are less likely to get outstanding promotions at work than white employees? If all lives matter, why does the Pew Research Center say black households have only 10 cents in wealth for every dollar held by white households? If all lives matter, why do I feel eyes on me when I'm shopping in certain stores? Or why do I immediately hold my breath out of fear anytime I get a glance of a police car? These are the cries of voices trying to be heard. And all lives matter ignores the deep-rooted racial divide we have in this country. No one's fucking saying, all lives don't matter we're saying that it's time to focus on the lives that need attention okay so i do have to say this statement really quickly so you understand the concept kind of when i was younger or when i was just born my dad didn't think i was his the backstory of my mom and my dad's relationship is very complicated and it's understandable my mom is black and my dad's white and my mom had my sister Kiana three years before me, and that is my my dad's daughter as well. But she came out white, and I came out black. And my dad was like, this ain't my kid. <laughs> we got a DNA test, and turns out I'm his daughter. <laughs> Surprise. Which, me and my dad are perfectly fine. We've sat down, we talked about it. I love my dad. Like He's one of my best friends. Right after that, he accepted me as his own, and we've been having a great relationship ever since. But I can't say the same things about his family one year me and my aunt we were going through you know family photos and looking through family photos and i was seeing so many baby pictures of my sister and i was like oh this is so cute and i literally said hey where's mine and my aunt looked at me and i love this aunt she looked at me and she was like oh well we didn't get a lot of them when you were younger because there were photos of me as a baby probably three of them but it it was always with my sister kiana and them and it was like kiana standing next to me and i was like a little tiny baby can't really even see me so i was like okay but like where's my professional photos for christmas and you know easter and all these things like where's mine you know that's when i found out that my dad thought i wasn't his daughter when i heard that i was kind of like taken back and my aunt told me in the most respectful way as she could but that kind of sucked because when i would go over and my sister would like go over they treated us a little differently not they but a certain aunt would treat us differently i could imagine your take. like if i was like you in that situation it seems as throughout all of this they just they can never remember that she's just like a little girl she doesn't have control over a situation and whether or not they all thought was true or not that still shouldn't determine how you treat like an innocent little girl because she just wants 
to be loved you know and she sees this person and that's her father and she sees his family and that's her family too so you should just love her despite it she's a just a sweet little innocent girl you know mm-hmm. but it's the fact that they looked at her and they looked at her sister and they saw something clearly different between the two of them and they treated her differently because of that and that just it just fucking is heartbreaking i kind of felt like the black sheep of the family literally we would take photos and there's this black girl in the photos with a bunch of white people and i yeah (laughs) that's one thing me and dana can relate on is we would be in a photo of our whole family and it's just like all white people and then like one black person just standing there like hey what's up you know (laughs) and you know or like we take some photos or whatever and i'm just like the odd one out and i would go to grocery stores and i'll go do things and everybody would think i'm my sister's best friend and i would always feel like i had to approach my dad and talk to my dad by calling him dad because people didn't think he was my dad so i'd be like hey dad can i get this hey dad dad you know i had to remind myself that he was my dad because everybody else didn't think he was and it was the weirdest thing but i did it all the time let's get to the part where i experienced racism in my family so i have a certain aunt i hope she's not listening to it but if she is listening to it hey girl how you doing you know who i'm talking to because you know it's you hope you choke on your privilege oh my goodness (laughs) after everything happened my my dad's side of the family kind of took me in as their own they really did love me but there was this one aunt not the one that i sat down looking at the photos but there was this one aunt who made me always feel very weird she would always make these comments towards me and make me feel bad about myself and who i was you're so pretty but your sister's prettier you're so gorgeous but like kiana's just this this and that like every time it would like it was a backhand compliment and anytime she was complimenting me she would have to bring my sister kiana into it and say but she's like better and remind me as like a little girl saying your sister's better than you i hope you know that basically like that's literally what you're saying to me i won't take anything else and i would sit there and think what can i do better what can i change about myself to make you love me more because clearly i'm doing something wrong for you to not like me and one day we were like sitting down and we were getting ready to like go to bed or whatnot and i do not remember what she said but i was really young i'm literally crying my eyes out and i turned to her and i said it's because i'm black and she just stood there looking at me like i I just said the worst like i just cussed her out like she looked at me like i said the worst thing possible and i kept screaming it's because i'm black you don't like me because i'm black you don't like me because i look different than my sister you don't like me because i'm black And it always pissed me off because my sister is just as black as me. She's just white passing. And it pissed me off because... You look at Michaela and you look at Kiana and the way that they look the same. Yeah. They they look look the same. Mm -hmm. Kiana's just white passing and Michaela's just a little couple shades darker than her. I look at the two of them and I'm like, there's not really a difference between them. No. So it was really like, holy shit, her aunt was very fucking racist to be like looking at her like she looks like me. Or oh, looking yeah. at her like, you know. Yeah, and I was just kind of like, oh, so you just like don't fuck with me, period. That Like for a young like girl to notice that it's racism, I was probably like 12 years old, probably younger. And I was like, how am I sitting here realizing that you're being racist towards me? That's so fucking sad. Yeah. And I shouldn't feel that way in my own family. And she'd be like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. And I would ask her, then what is it? Then what is it? And she could never come up with an answer. Never. And her husband, I love him to death. He's honestly one of my favorite uncles. And it's just her. It was just always been her. And I just never understand 
why she hated me so much, you know? And it was the weirdest thing. But her husband was there, and he was, like, trying to, like, you know, my uncle. He was like, okay, let's, you know, calm down, you know? Let's all go to bed. And I was like, fuck this, you know? Fuck it all. And me and my sister go lay in the bed, and I'm literally crying to my sister as she's, like, holding me, talking to me about it, and, like, trying to comfort me. But then I also have resentment towards her because I'm like, why do they like you so much more? Why couldn't I be white all these little things about myself i hated i was young and i would scrub my skin really tight in the shower because my knees were too dark or it was dirty and my elbows were dirty and shit like that like it's just so weird that i've had those experiences moving on but my aunt would always take my sister kiana also to i love you days and i remember asking her i've never had one since till this day and my sister i don't even know how many she's had but i still never had one and my aunt i remember asking i was like hey girl like when's my i love you day girl like hello i'm here too and she was like oh like you'll have yours very very soon i was like okay and every single time i came over i never ever had an i love you day but her son was like my favorite cousin and i loved my uncle so that's why i would continue to go there because if it wasn't for them i would have never visit them i just had to tolerate her so that's the only reason why i was still around her and i never expressed these things to my dad until actually recently and i don't know why i never sat there and said anything to him and i already know she's never brought it up to him either because she knew she was in the wrong of course so my dad like she wasn't gonna be like your daughter yelled at me and called me racist like she's not gonna say that she's yeah. not gonna bring that up be like you are racist yeah because what are you doing like what are you saying to my daughter to make her feel that way you know and my sister never brought it up too either because i would tell her not to and like i would want to you know keep it the way it was and when i talked to my dad about it he was kind of like really taken back in shock it was like why did you never tell me like 100 percent, i would have dealt with it you should not have to face that in your own family and it was just like this sensitive conversation and i'm really glad that i had that conversation with my dad christmas she would make racist comments all the time always and she would always like get drunk and she would make these certain comments and I would look at this bitch and be like, you are way too drunk right now. I'm not doing this. So I would always take it. I blew up on her when I was 12 years old. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then years passed by and she would continue to do shit. And I would just like take it and be like, whatever. Like, you're drunk. Go like fucking drink water. Like, go sit your ass down, you know? Like, I was like, I just have to tolerate her for just these few minutes. It's okay. It's okay. There was this one Christmas and I'm grabbing like snacks and I'm sitting there and I don't even know what she said. She just brings up my sister because my sister, she didn't go to this one. She goes, like, where's your sister? Like, I miss her so much. And I was like, she was just really busy. She just, she doesn't want to be around you. Plain and simple. And, but she said something to me, just basically saying that my sister's so much better than me. But her son was like, mom, why would you say that? And we looked at her and she was like, oh, oh. And I was like, I'm not doing this with you. And I said, so just don't say what you were going to say. Don't even speak any further. And I'm done. And I just walked away from her. And I just didn't want to be by her and she was fucking drunk so i bet she doesn't even remember this but you said some racist shit to me and you've been saying racist shit to me my whole entire life and i hope you know that um and it's not fun it's not great and i hate it it kind of sucks that i had to deal with that in my own family and feel like i wasn't good enough in my own family but i haven't talked to her for a very very long time i still miss all my other family members but not her <laughs> that's for fucking sure but yeah that is the experience i had with my aunt and i know there's so many other experiences obviously growing up but i blocked a lot of them out of my mind and that's just way too many to express but that is the racism that i dealt with internally like with my family so yeah not fun and looking back now obviously as mm. an adult and as someone who obviously loves themselves for everything if you could go back 
and tell your younger self what would that like conversation look like i think that i would tell her that no matter what my aunt has ever said to me none of them's true and everybody else loves you her opinion of me is a reflection on her it doesn't matter what she thinks about me because she clearly has so much internal just like internal hatred and like racism like that was probably like built inside of her growing up that she doesn't know how to not be yeah that way so that's bullshit Bullshit. yeah 100% because fucking unlearn it just fucking fucking unlearn unlearn it it. I would think I would say that to myself is you're perfect the way you are and you will learn to love yourself and her opinion of you doesn't matter because it's one person in the whole world and the only opinion that should matter is yourselves Mm -hmm. and I love you it's okay you will get through this so focus on the people that actually care about you and make you feel good about yourself don't focus on the ones that make you feel not good about yourself throughout the years i realized i'm gonna focus on the ants that really truly love me mm-hmm. and give me like actual love yeah. so i hope she heals um i hope she unlearns how to be fucking racist like i really hope she just figures her shit out because yeah. you will not be seeing me until you do because i am not your not your niece yeah. but anyways you know that's that <laughs> while we were talking it kind of made me see it sort of like a coin Mm -hmm. you know on one hand when you're with your family you're like how can i bring this quote-unquote white White identity out of me me. Mm -hmm. but then flip the coin and you're at school yeah and you're so like so deeply want like to be seen by your black community and you're Mm -hmm. like how can i how how what do i need to do to get you guys to see me i'm valid i'm here Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So when I was younger, I didn't really have white friends. If I'm just going to say that, honestly, like I had a couple, you know, like in my apartment complex and stuff. But at school, like I was around, you know, mixed people. I was around black people. I was around Hispanics. Like that's where I was. And I felt very comfortable and I felt very much myself. Like I was like, oh, this is where I belong because they made me feel good. You know, they made me feel good, like where who I was. And And honestly, too, I feel like at the junior high that we were at, everybody was so accepting. Yeah. But like also there was it was just so diverse there. Yeah. But like also. So I think that being white, honestly, was the, like, minority in that community, which was shocking to me coming from a place where being a person of color was the minority, you know? And then coming to where there was, like, this is so flipped, and I was shocked, you know? And that's what I was used to growing up. Mm -hmm. Like, I was used to being around the white people being a minority, you Mm -hmm. know, besides going to my family's area, you know? And that was really crazy because I would go to my family's side and where they lived and it was just white fucking washed everywhere you know gilbert's fucking whitewashed chandler's fucking whitewashed that's like where they would go like that's where i was Mm -hmm. if you know arizona but when i would go to school i was around people i felt really comfortable with and secure with and i really loved it you know but when i went to high school this is where it got different for me we all went to different schools the people that i would hang out with and i was building new friendships and stuff and i also got in a lot of trouble the summer before going into high school um with the popos <laughs> the way that it was handled with the police that's a whole nother story i just felt like it also affected with my color of my skin mm-hmm, of course so i was like how can i be as white as possible that year going into freshman year i was like how white can i be mm. so i just try to be this white girl and it was not fun and then i would talk to these black people in my school and they would always be like you're not black enough and i'm like what do you mean like i'm not black enough they're like mm, you're not black enough like are you 
are you even black? And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how are you going to ask me that? Like, how are you going to ask me if I'm even black? Yes, I'm black. And they were like, oh, like they would say things, you know, like in our culture and shit. And they'd be like, but you wouldn't understand. And I was always just told that you're not black enough. You you wouldn't understand. Like, you're not, you're so whitewashed. You're like not even, and you would make the term of like, you're an Oreo. And then I would talk to these people who were white and stuff. And they'd be like, you're so ghetto. You are so ghetto. And I'd be like, the fuck are you like where do i fit in like what do you mean you know and they would be like wow you're so like you're not like white enough or like you're just like black and i'm i would just kind of be shocked because i would be like okay so i have this this race telling me i'm not good enough for this one and i have this race telling me i'm not good enough for this one so where the fuck do i go like where do i fit in like i felt like i had to choose to be either white or black i'm either black or i'm either white whichever one i decide to choose that's i have to act more of do you know the fucking stereotypes pisses me off and it felt really hard trying to figure out who i was because i didn't feel good enough for either or but i also felt like my problems it wasn't like as big as what you would face in those situations discredit your own experience yeah with racism and that's what i would do a lot because i was like it could be worse i could experience worse you know Mm. and i always thought that but i didn't realize how bad it was especially for friends to sit there and tell me that i wasn't good enough to be a part of the culture because that sucked because i thought i was and i thought i was educated enough because you know my black side of the family like they would educate me and i honestly feel like i'm more resigned with my black side of the family 100 percent. they accepted and embraced you for like who you were i was and they loved me regardless and i've never ever ever felt like an outcast in that way in that side of the family and there have been moments obviously where i would be called Mm -hmm. the n-word it's so weird that we still face that till this day like i was literally going trick-or-treating with my nephews this year well 2021 Mm -hmm. and my sister kiana and liam are walking in the front and they're white passing and me and nation are walking behind them black passing and I'm holding Nation's hand and Keanu's holding Liam's hand. And, you know, Liam is walking super fast because he's in this, like, big SpongeBob costume. So he's like a blown-up SpongeBob. So my sister's, like, watching him, making sure he's good. And Nation was a clown. So I'm, like, holding Nation. Me and him are just having a conversation, talking, you know. And um, we're staying behind them because Nation likes to run off. So we're, like, let's follow them, you know. We follow Nate, Keanu and Liam and take our time. And Maceo, he ran back home. So Maceo's, like... I ain't doing this. So he went back home and he went with my uncle. So it was just us four. And we're just walking and a group of people, are, I'm not even kidding, a group of people are passing on the, on the side of the other side of the uh, street and start screaming the N-word at us. And I'm looking around, seeing other families, you know, like walking, taking their children trick-or-treating. And I'm looking at them and they were like saying like, hey, yo, hey, yo, black girl, black girl, hey, black girl, black girl screaming it and i turn and they go yeah you and they start screaming the n-word at me and my nephew nation he obviously knows what the word is like even though it's sad that he's a really young kid he knows it's a bad word you know and we taught him like hey that's a bad word you know and that's so sad that you have to teach these children at a young age that racism exists Mm -hmm. but we you know we have talked to him about it and he literally is like holding my hand and goes like auntie auntie they're talking to us and I go, auntie, that's a bad word. Like, auntie, he's saying a bad word to you. Like, auntie, that's not good. Like, you know, Nation's saying this. Like, he's kind of confused. That was, like, the first time he experienced racism. Mm-hmm. And he's literally a six-year-old little baby. Mm-hmm. Like, little boy. 
Like, he should not experience that. And they're screaming it at me, calling us the N-word. I could have lost my shit right there. But I had to teach my nephew another way of handling it. And I hated that because I would have wanted to go over there and whoop some ass, but I couldn't do that mm-hmm. because I have my children. Like, my nephews are here. Mm-hmm. You know, my sister's, like, walking, and she's just kind of confused, you know? Like, what the fuck? Like, in, like, Liam's, like, you know, fucking tumbling over in this big-ass SpongeBob costume, and she's trying to focus on her. So I'm like, I got it. Like, I'll handle it. But I said, that's disrespectful. You see there's children around. Don't say those things to us, especially when I have a child next to me. I said, grow up. You're immature. Educate yourself. And that's what I just said to them. And Nation's just, like, trying to talk to me about it. I'm like, it's okay, baby. Like, it's fine. Like, we're going to ignore it. And, like, he was upset. Of course. He was so upset because he knew it was a bad word. And he was just like, why are they saying that? Why are they calling that to us? And I was like, because people are ignorant. People are uneducated and has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's okay, you know? And I was just, like, talking to him. And I was like, let's go to this house, buddy. Like, it's okay, you know? Making sure he's okay at the same time, but also trying to distract his mind so he doesn't think so deeply in it and doesn't, you know, feel, like, insecure or anything in it, you know? So, you know, we moved on, and he's good now. But it was just, like, kind of really hard mm-hmm. to handle that situation, especially having my nephews around me. Because it's, like, it can make or break, you know, mm-hmm. what they learn. And I know that I have privilege because I also am mixed. I know people experience racism, like, every second of the day. But when it comes to me, some cult- like some white people accept me very much more easily mm-hmm. because I'm white, too. So I understand that I also have a privilege and I understand that my experience is are a lot different um than other black people but they're they're still your own they're still your own and it's still your own personal unique like experience experience and don't discredit it you Mm -hmm. can't compare your like experience to someone else's yeah yeah that's my story thanks for listening and i think dana is gonna take over and tell her her experience Okay, so when I talk to Michaela about this, we each speak about our experiences and how we feel and all of these things, and especially around summer 2020 and Mm -hmm. everything that happened with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. That was like a really big eye-opening for us. Yeah, definitely. And that that summer, that time, Mm -hmm. obviously, like my mental health was so bad. I took a lot. Like there was just so like constantly I was just riddled with anxiety. Yeah. And I was just like literally having panic attacks all the time. I was like having mental breakdowns, crying my eyes out. I'd like call my sister all the time, just like crying about something new, like another dead person or, mm-hmm. you know, another another threat made by the man that was elected to run our country mm-hmm. toward me and my community. Yeah. And it's also hard to be like when you're a black person, you know, like you're a black woman, you're not you're walking around and you could easily get targeted like it's it's people who are doing nothing mm-hmm. it's people who are innocent and doing literally nothing like of course you're gonna have those panic attacks and for the president of the united states at the time to be like to to really look at the fuck. people who are yeah. outside protesting and fighting like for their lives calling to us, be seen calling mm-hmm. us thugs and saying like you're gonna get what's coming to you and telling racist ass fucking proud boys, boys yeah. that they're like good men and go out and do what needs to be done, done. what the fuck does that even mean we are here and we're protesting because of a reason you know there's a reason 
hear it understand it and it's just it's it's actually laughable that like the black community and people of color and like those who support the movement are out fighting for their fucking lives Mm -hmm. but then there's on the other side these ignorant ass people who are fighting because you're telling them what to do you're trying to tell them what to do because we're trying to stop a global pandemic exactly it was an intense time it was all consuming yeah and there's just i just spent a lot of time obviously because we were all fucking quarantined at home but like i spent a lot of time sitting with myself and sitting with these thoughts and just like it got really bad to where it was like everything was not good that i had to obviously go back to therapy again and that was Mm -hmm. like the best decision that i ever made but i spent a lot of time sitting with my thoughts and having these having these hard conversations like also just like with my family too Mm -hmm. i remember times i would be sitting on the phone with my sister and she would just be like sobbing because like she just is like she didn't understand why they couldn't understand yeah but also she was like i also will never like know and it fucking breaks my heart because like of you and my love for you but also because of like her daughter who's biracial and like you know her love for her and how we're seeing little girls fucking be killed too Mm -hmm. like like nakia crawford like she was 18 years old she just graduated high school and she was driving she was literally fucking driving in her car and someone shot her at a stoplight and what was the fucking reason because of Racism. racism and so it's just it's it was just fucking terrifying and just having these conversations like with my sister and with my brother who i was living with at the time and just like and having to like express myself and my feelings and my fear around this time but also like having to go back like to the beginning and say like all of these things happened and these affected me and we never really had like these deep conversations about it and like why haven't we you know exactly um and having these conversations like with my other brother and like and in that time too there was i always felt like i was like there was like surrounded with love when it came to this um but when these hard times were happening i felt how loud a lot of people's silence was and i was like where are all the people growing up who like loved me so much why are they being so quiet right now you pointing that out is so big for me and like realizing that because not one person on my dad's side reached out to me and i haven't talked to them since like all this was happening and you see this happening and you have you know me and my sister or biracial woman you don't give a fuck about us you didn't reach out to us make sure we're okay you didn't reach out to see if we're good like they saw me posting Mm -hmm. they saw me spreading awareness they saw it Mm -hmm. they didn't say anything besides my dad besides Mm -hmm. my father making sure i'm good Mm -hmm. and i'm okay and obviously the family that I have, my black side of the family, who experiences this every day. So understanding and us having those conversations and those emotional times and talking to my grandfather, who's 84 years old mm-hmm. and has experienced this shit for the longest fucking time mm-hmm. and having those deep conversations. But where is the white family that needs to understand that their privilege mm-hmm. affects me? And yeah. like all that. Even my own fucking father didn't. And that's a, that's insane. Yeah. My and own, that's crazy. I felt so much silence from him yeah. and and his wife and like their kids and yeah. i was like where is that support and that love that you continue to show me and tell me you love me but where's that support when it really counts where it really really fucking counts because that was like one of the biggest moments scariest moments for being a black woman in america and you're not gonna sit here and support me and tell me you're here for me is fucking ridiculous that was crazy because obviously like growing up you know i was adopted when i was like two years old um from haiti and i was brought here to my family and i 
I never felt, you know, like shamed by my family for being black. Mm -hmm. They accepted me with open arms. They loved me for all that I was. My mom did everything that she could to like learn how to be a mother to a black child, you know? A queen. A fucking amazing. Yeah. And it was how she would always try to shield me from like the reality of the rest of the world. And I think that that was something I had to learn whenever I grew up and obviously no longer had that protective shield was that like she really protected me from a lot of stuff because i felt like myself too i was ignorant of like the reality of the situation not just like with like racism and with all of that but just like the reality of just like life itself and how life is fucking hard because my mom just was my fucking ride or die and just had my back you know um but yeah i i was adopted and at the time my family was just like super like involved in like our church community um my dad was like the worship pastor and so you know i was like technically like a pastor's daughter like it was just that kind of thing and we were just like all my siblings they were involved in like youth groups type of like situations and my mom was like super involved at the church and like we had just like everyone knew the Jennings family you know what I mean like you guys were like a known name in the church yeah and and it was kind of like it was as if like you lived in a small town everyone knows everybody everyone knows everybody's business that type of thing and so I'm adopted and this it was like just something that like rocked this community of like my church and like how it, it felt looking back now like it kind of felt like it was like oh like this cute adorable little black Black baby baby. that they they handpicked from poverty and like Mm -hmm. gave her a second chance at life and like they're just like so great for doing that which like i love my family and they never made me feel like it was like that like they were fucking saving me like from like like you know they never lucky they yeah they never made me feel like that they just felt like my mom always says like god just like told me that my daughter was out there and i needed to find her that is gonna make me cry and he led her to me and you know and then it was one of those moments whenever when we first saw each other and how you know once she like held me i just kind of like never let go it was just one of those things like our souls recognized each other like you know and so this bitch is literally crying I'm next literally to me crying. i'm not even kidding i'm literally fucking crying because that's so sweet because uh, i believe that oh yeah um so it was never my family who made me feel like this but it was just that like church community and the people like around us because it was kind of like they just were like oh like this adorable little black baby like i want one you know it was kind of like she was like an accessory kind of like everyone Mm -hmm. was just like oh dane like everyone just like loved me and embraced me and showered me with all this like love but like in a way it just kind of felt like it was just it was it was like a brand new puppy yeah it was like like, it was weird it was was a little weird like a get out type vibe and all of like and then it was like all of a sudden like all these families at our church were like adopting babies from haiti you know yeah like they all just like wanted one too it was really weird i don't know but also it makes me try to look at it like a different way and be like i open their eyes to reality of the situation yeah you know that there's children who need homes yeah you know and all of these like other babies like have these like loving families because of me Mm-hmm. but also now too after everything especially that happened but like it's like so many of these people are like obviously conservative like 
very Trump yeah. supporters too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, mm, where's like, what is the reality of the situation? You know, and I never felt discriminated in my family, but just like in the in the environment that my family always found themselves in, I noticed the difference. I was just always around, you know, a white community. You know, growing up at school, like yeah, I was always just like one of the black kids, and I had to like you know seek out the other ones. You know, yeah. we all kind of like would seek each other out and come together Mm -hmm. because we were the minority you know because we felt like a sense of like security in that yeah comfort and obviously i had like my childhood friends that i grew up with in like my neighborhood who were like white but like they always accepted me for who i was but i Mm -hmm. also didn't know like how i don't know like i always never realized how much self like shame i had surrounding my black identity yeah because i just always felt like an outsider you know and like my two best friends they have the same like experience and so we always clung to that Mm -hmm. and especially like during 2020 we all we like sat down and had so many deep conversations about it because we were like it's so important we all had this very similar experience you know Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like this was a wake-up call to everything that happened was like this was racism and Mm -hmm. this was microaggressions and it was crazy because like mine was like church and school white suburban community but theirs was like like the ballet world you know so Mm -hmm. they had like that too yeah and so i remember just kind of you know having that like internal like shame and like my own like i guess internal racism like because i just always felt like an outsider and i just was like i just like want to like belong and like be the same you Mm -hmm. know and i felt like a whitewashed version of myself too you know like i did I felt like how all those kids like would be like in my junior high when they would call me like a walking Oreo and I was just like well they're just like being funny because it's true like I am black on the outside but really like I'm white. white. But like fuck that. No, no, really fuck that. That was racist. I'm black. I'm who I am. I'm I was just raised a certain way like mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's weird for them to just because like I speak with a certain connotation or I, you know, you're a black am, woman interested in like this or that like i just didn't i didn't fit Fit their their stereotype i didn't fit their stereotype i didn't fit their mold for what a black girl should have been and it's so weird and And that's what the thing they and i hate when they again when they use the word ghetto they wanted you to be ghetto but what the fuck is that i see people be ghetto all the time like i said earlier like earlier like i see people ghetto all the fucking time like Mm -hmm. that's fucking weird yeah like i just because i'm who i am doesn't make me any less black you know exactly the way i speak or the way i dress or the what my interests are like that doesn't take away my black identity and it's like bullshit that they try to make me feel like it did because like you said if i you walked past me on the street you're black yeah if something you're walking past somebody you're black they don't know you they don't know you deep like that you're black yeah it's so fucking weird that yeah they use that as a thing so it felt like hard being like there was like this community that i had of like all my white friends that like accepted me because i was quote unquote not like the others which mm-hmm. is racist in itself but feeling like i felt accepted by them but didn't fit in with them and then having this other community where i looked like i fit in with them but i was Mm -hmm. not accepted by them because they felt like they had the right to like revoke my black card quote unquote yeah you know and Mm -hmm. like that's absolute bullshit but growing up i just you know i would constantly like 
cry and like beg my mom to like relax my hair put all these chemicals on my hair so my hair's straight like everyone else you is. just wanted to fit and in. i just want i was like um, um can i can i dress like how everyone like i want to wear what everyone else is wearing i want to i want to do all the other things that they're doing like you know do just everything things. that they're doing i want to be like them you know but now like looking back like that like makes me sad that i felt like i had to like prove myself now i never do and i never no. will again put chemicals on my hair i've no. i've learned to love and embrace my hair i've learned to do my own hair and i've learned to embrace like the adversity of my hair and like how i can do so much with it mm -hmm. and like it's funny because so many like white people are like your hair's so amazing, amazing. and it's cool so beautiful like how you can do all this stuff yeah, like, and oh you God, do wow. your own hair I like literally this like seen it happen yeah and, and that was what's crazy because i was like y'all i'd be like wow your hair looks so cool it's so great and i'm like yes yeah like thank you it was you, just but, like yeah yeah um and so yeah and like i think like about like my children i'm like mm -hmm. i don't ever want my kids to put like chemicals in their hair yeah. like embrace your hair and i also am glad like i learned how to like do my own hair so like now i know how to do my children's hair and like all this kind of stuff and you know obviously being raised in a white family like there was a lot of stuff i had to educate myself on too mm -hmm. and yeah and it's just it was it was crazy feeling like not that that just like outward racism most of the time mm -hmm. But it was in the certain ways people would kind of like fetishize my blackness. Like that my blackness was like so like unique and they had to put such an emphasis on how unique it was. Mm -hmm. How like amazing that it was. I was so different. You're so different. Yeah, it's just and I didn't weird. And I didn't like that. Mm -mm. Like I was like, why are you putting such an emphasis on how different I am? Mm -hmm. My skin is beautiful. My hair is amazing. I am a black woman and I love that. But like, don't be fucking weird about the it. The way that it was, it was kind of not like a backhanded compliment, but it was kind of like, are you saying that you like it or are you? saying you don't like you're you're being like you're being old. too like i'm there's trying so, so hard. hard yeah you know yeah, you're just kind of like mm, is that really what you mean yeah and it was just kind of just like really fucking shocked like yeah. it's just a weird and it was just like how they didn't know it was it felt as if they didn't know how to like be around a black person and so they were yeah. like oh we're really 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 not racist so let's we show really them. like you, you like know? it's amazing like you're yeah. just making it very awkward and my mom normal yeah and my mom really tried to like have that community for me because like obviously like my two best friends they were in the same situation as, as me and the other kids who were like adopted from haiti like we used to do these things called family like haiti baby reunions and stuff mm -hmm. so like every year we We'd all like meet in Palm Springs and we would stay at, a, at the same hotel and so it'd be all these white families or like there's like there was like an Asian family and like mm -hmm. there was just like all these different families that all adopted little like adopted kids from Haiti and like we all had that same like shared unique experience yeah. and so that like built a community within itself you know and that was something that was really important to me but also I wanted I wanted to like feel like I belonged everywhere and not just with someone who had the same exact experience as me you know I wanted to feel like I belonged with my friends or I belonged with my black community or whatever mm -hmm. and yeah it took me a really long time to kind of just sit and process everything and think about all the stuff that like wasn't actually okay and kind of learn learn to like accept the reality of the situation yeah. with acceptance also came that fear because it seemed as if i was like holy shit like dana you were living in denial for a really long time i didn't realize it but i was yep. and when the reality and like the self-acceptance really like came in and i was like yeah i like i'm embracing everything about myself and i love myself and i love this but i was like you are 
a black woman in Mm -hmm. a racist ass country and it became how clear it was was when all like that stuff was happening like i would have to see literally my brothers be fucking killed on the internet you know Mm -hmm. like all we're all watching this video together and we're all experienced like mourning every fucking day Mm -hmm. mourning every day there was never a break there was never a break and it was like you would have to step away from your phone because that's all my phone was consumed of which is amazing like it needs to be that but there were moments where i was like i need a break or else i'm gonna have a panic attack again and i was continued to have panic attacks i was continued to cry and i know like especially for you too it was like i need to take a breather because this is so overwhelming and it's so fucking sad but then you felt like if you took it like if you stepped back you'd miss something and you would want to share as much as you can so yeah and i felt yeah and i felt i had a duty to to like be that voice and to like and to educate Mm -hmm. so many like educate all these people because like i had like that community of those people who also followed what i was doing and like wanted to like know about my life and i felt like i had to educate them on the reality of what was happening and i remember during that time like i was constantly posting on social media like trying to bring attention to everything that was happening because i felt like it was my job to like educate these Mm -hmm. ignorant people or like Mm -hmm. educate like you know my white family who didn't like like understand the like the intense reality of the situation or like the family or like extended family or friends of the family and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and like so many people reached out to me and was like dana like actually like thank you for like sharing everything that you do because like it's educating me yeah it's mind-blowing because they were so in their bubble yeah of privilege that they didn't know that this was a fucking thing but i also just felt like an overwhelming sense of like exhaustion Uh not just like from like experiencing just continually like a collective black trauma or like the anxiety and the depression and like all of that but like also i just felt exhausted having to feel like i had to continue to educate you Mm -hmm. like go fucking educate yourself and come to me and be like i took the time exactly and i i learned i learned what i needed to know like Mm -hmm. don't come to me and be like dana what do i need to learn how can i be better ally like just be a better ally and do what you need to do here are resources do do the do Do the the work work. you know Mm -hmm. i had so many people just like constantly being like what can i do how can i be a better ally like like what are the resources that will help me and i wanted to help as many people as i could but also was just like very tired it was so exhausting and we're not saying not to do that yes talk to us like talk to people yeah like learn but also when we give you those resources actually take them and actually read them and learn about them and just really educate yourself yeah. because it's so hard and the like re- we shouldn't have to teach other people how to treat us yeah and how to have respect for us and it was mind-blowing to me a lot of the time too it was like grown adults were yeah. being like you're educating me so much and i was mm-hmm. just like it's mind-blowing the situation but like i was saying i kind of got sidetracked but like with that self-acceptance of who i was came obviously that fear mm-hmm. um because suddenly i like i never acknowledged that that fear was there i just thought i was just like a super anxious person yeah but also a lot of my anxiety had to do with the fact that i was you know a black person and like someone looks at me and they see the color of my skin that's the first thing, that's they, the see. First thing they see and so they can judge me and, and i was just seeing how on site these people were being like fucking you know discriminated against and like fucking hate crimed because of the color of their skin you know and I was so scared. I didn't acknowledge every time I get in my car, mm-hmm. I have to sit in my car for at least a minute before I can even turn the car on. I'm taking a second to soak in my entire life mm-hmm. to be like, you're just driving to work yeah. or you're just driving to the store. 
hopefully I don't die today. Yeah. You know? Because it randomly happens. Yeah. People and randomly then, get killed just by driving. And every time I, I pull into, like, I get home and I turn my car off, mm-hmm. I let out a breath. And it took me so long to realize that that was, like, a sigh of relief. Yeah. That I made it home today. Mm-hmm. And how, like, fucking horrendous is that, like, exactly. the reality that, like, I'm, you know, fucking in my 20s. Yeah. And that's, like, I'm relieved that I made it home alive today. Yeah. And can we just talk about every time we pass a police car and how that makes us feel? Every time we pass a police car and how there's just that, immediately my heart's racing. Mm-hmm. Immediately I'm holding Always. my breath. Immediately I'm so self-aware. Every, I spot every single fucking yeah, police car. every single time. Because, like, that could be the reason I died today. Yeah. Or if I, or now, like... choose to pull us over just because. Yeah. Or now if, like, I... Now if I see... <laughs> American flag. Oh, even mm-hmm. an American flag for our fucking goddamn country. I'm like... Oh, they're racist. They're racist. And they could be the reason I died today. Mm-hmm. People driving me with, like, Blue Lives Matter flags and Confederate flag. Like, we see that constantly every day. And it's just, like, we pass it. And it's just the weirdest thing. And sometimes we fucking pass it. And, like, we don't... We don't want to, like, park right next to him in the, like, yeah. the stoplight. Like, I'll move lanes if yes. I'm by someone like that. Yeah, because, because I'm actually but scared. But we shouldn't feel that But way. we shouldn't have to be fucking scared. But that's just the reality of life right now. Because there are people out there that are driving around with those flags like that. Yeah. And I feel like people. I feel like I can't even make... I feel like I can't make eye contact with them. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, what if I make eye contact with them and they pull out a gun? Exactly. Exactly. Because they feel threatened that a black person's looking, looking at, at them. them. Mm-hmm. Because that's always what it is. It's self-defense. It's yeah. this, this, and that. Like, don't even get me started. It's fucking ridiculous. And can you, if you want, do you want to tell the story after your sister's wedding? When you got pulled over by the police when we were driving home? Do you remember that one? I remember it because I wrote a poem about it, but... yeah. It was fucking crazy. Do you want to tell the story and then read the poem? I think that's important because that express that story tells the panic that you had as a black woman. Yeah. So I guess I can just kind of give you just like an, what the situation was and then I guess just like say the poem. Yeah, I think she should. I don't know if that's weird. Dana, she is a poet and she's a writer. And that's how I express myself mm-hmm. most of the time. And there was an incident where we were driving back home from her sister's wedding. It was me, her, and Lucy. And we got pulled over by the police. And she wrote a poem about it. But she's going to tell the story first. And then you could read the poem if well, you're comfortable. Yeah, I'm not going to tell the story. Like, actually tell Pull the story it, yeah. because the poem tells it. Tells the story, yeah. But yeah, that was basically the situation. My sister had just gotten married. She was obviously going on her honeymoon, and so I was watching my niece. My niece was three at the time, you know, and I was, I think I was literally 16. I had just gotten my license, and so I was not comfortable driving on the freeway, and I was trying to figure out how to just get home. Mm -hmm. That's literally all I was trying to figure out, and I, like, had Michaela on navigation, and she told me, like, oh, you're supposed to take this exit, and I pulled off quickly so I didn't miss it, and then I just continued driving, and that was it, and it was probably five minutes or even maybe 10 minutes after I had like pulled off and I was still driving that all of a sudden I see police lights and I get pulled over Mm -hmm. and I'm like what did I literally did nothing wrong we were just driving yeah I did absolutely nothing wrong and this woman pulls me over and basically is just like well I just pulled you over because it just seemed like she was trying to figure out a reason why she did it yeah and Dana was trying to like have a conversation with her but I couldn't speak with her speak and I was trying to talk to her but I was also trying to make sure that Dana was okay and she was calm that it was just like a very mess and we were driving your sister's car correct and we needed the um we need the registration and all that stuff and we were like and my sister it. even had it with her i don't know why she did but yeah, she but had we it with didn't her. have the registration and that made us even more scared because we were like 
oh fuck oh fuck we don't have the registration we don't have the things that we need for the car what the fuck do we do and we're black and there's and there's and she has a gun and my immediate fear wasn't even that like she i'm gonna die today but my immediate fear was like i'm gonna die today but my my niece in the back seat's gonna be all by herself yeah and also she's gonna she's gonna see me die today and that's gonna change her life yeah it was just very scary because it was very late at night it was like probably like 12 o'clock at night uh 12 a.m and we were just trying to get home and it was just weird because like it would understand that if she pulled us over when you did that turn but it was literally 10 minutes later like it was she was following us for a minute and that's what was scary and i was just trying to like you know like hey like i'm so sorry like i was trying to talk to her but i was also so stressed out that dana was she was having an anxiety attack you were having a panic attack i was fully in the middle in the midst of an anxiety attack i couldn't speak to her and at that point i literally had to even just pull out my phone hand it like slowly as fucking slowly as i could hand her my phone so she didn't think i was fucking attacking her or something and i had my sister on the phone and i literally was like please just please like i'm literally begging you speak with my sister yeah. because i can't and it was like as soon as she spoke to my sister she hears you know a white, a white woman and suddenly the police officer's apologizing to me yeah and it was and we, suddenly she's like trying to say like oh well i'm just i'm sure trying to make sure you guys are fine safe. and okay and and i have a daughter who's like your age so she understands my age and she's like i have a daughter who's your age and you know i would be concerned and like blah blah blah, blah. just it's all this bullshit stuff it was the fact that like that she pulled us over just like because on yeah. site can i just say before dana pulled out her phone she sat there and told the police she was like i'm gonna pull out my phone and i'm gonna call my sister but like it was so hard for her to say those words but she kept like trying to tell the police that's like what she was gonna do so her the police officer didn't think she was doing anything else and like that was like a scary moment just seeing that because i was just like the way that she just felt like she had expressed like i'm just grabbing my phone to give you the like to call my sister and i was just kind of like what the fuck is going on you know we were all very scared and lucy was asleep in the back like mm-hmm. we just like didn't know what to do but that that was like a really eye-opening moment for me for sure Mm -hmm. and so i guess i'll just i'll just tell the poem real quick just because it kind of i don't know this like feels awkward (laughs) let me tell you about the time i got pulled over by a cop on the highway you see when i saw the flashing lights behind me first appear i immediately burst into tears tears that came flowing instantly from that sudden uprising feeling of fear see my first instinct was talk with a high-pitched voice and enunciate my words show her we speak the same way my second instinct was to tell her exactly what's happening my name is dana i'm 16 years old i've only had my license for a few months i was in an accident the first week i had my license and i only recently mustered up the courage to drive again i tell her i'm scared i'm lost i'm trying to use navigation on my phone but it's dark and the highway is scary and i'm a long way from home i tell her my three-year-old niece is sleeping in the back seat and i'm just trying to get her home safely i tell her my sister just got married and we're coming home from her wedding i tell her i'm watching my niece this week while my sister goes on her honeymoon and i've been in charge all of 20 minutes and here i am pulled over on the highway with her flashing lights behind me i tell her what i mean to say is i try to tell her but i'm not really telling her much of anything because my words are muddled and my sobs are drowning out my explanations my heart is beating inside my chest my ears are ringing and i can't breathe i'm having a panic attack so i very slowly give her my phone with shaking hands begging her to speak with my sister because i am entirely incapable of saying anything else because all i see are flashing lights red blue red blue red is the 
warning sign blue is the authority red is my heart over palpitating blue is her uniform red is the blood i'll shed if the gun on her hip fires at me because of the color of my skin blue is the feeling my niece will be left with if she's all alone red is the anger and trauma she will endure for the rest of her life if she witnesses me being gunned down when she's only three blue is the ptsd she will carry for the rest of her life every time she hears a gunshot on tv or a car backfire or the door slam red blue red blue red is the anger i feel bubble up inside me whenever someone tries to counter the black lives matter movement with the argument that blue lives matter just as much but is blue really their lives or is blue the color of their uniforms that they can take off unlike my skin or my culture my heritage my ancestors our oppression our pain our history my story see that is all a part of me red blue red blue they spin around and around almost in slow motion and i'm panicking because i'm overcome with emotion I'm fucking scared because in my heart I know that I've done nothing wrong but neither did Trayvon Martin, neither did Philandra Castile or Alton Sterling, neither did Sandra Bland, Michael Brown Jr., Eric Gardner, Tamir Rice, and Freddie Gray, neither did Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Sean Reed, Elijah McClain, or George Floyd. See, I try to slow my breathing as I recount these names in my head and in my heart these black lives that were taken merely for existing and I'm scared because if their lives didn't matter then why should mine and can we just say fucking wow how fucking powerful was that everybody give dana a smash for a second <laughs> give her a second oh my god she needs to take a breather that was fucking amazing and powerful and i loved the part where you say blue is the color of their uniforms that they can take off when they get home unlike the color of my skin right that's on me every fucking day yeah, yeah beautiful and when i was writing that poem and most of the time when i think about this and i think about all like the lives lost and i always i i think of, of like myself and there is a little bit of that like survivors go like innocent yeah. black people dying but i'm alive yeah but also it's like these innocent black lives are taken for going fucking running sleeping mm -hmm. in their own fucking house and and their lives are being taken and just as easily mine could be too yeah because it's the in my next yeah and i make it a point to say like if their lives didn't matter why should mine mm -hmm. because you should pay attention because if you're saying like if you love me and you care about me and you think my life should matter their lives, their should, lives should fucking matter. matter to you too so think about it mm -hmm. think about what black lives matter really means don't just look at their name and see a hashtag know that there's a fucking person behind that name mm -hmm. and that they have a story and that they no longer have a life they're a fucking person just like you and i and they don't deserve to get their lives taken away from them just because of the color of their skin there's so much fucking work that needs to be done so and much. i have this this fear this constant anxiety mm -hmm. that i know every sibling every friend every parent has when you have a black child or yeah. friend or sibling or mm -hmm. you know there's just a constant fear we face so much black trauma so much pain hurt all of this but also we just have this constant anxiety that they could not come home today mm -hmm. or if they do it's in a body bag mm -hmm. or the fact that like someday i'm gonna have children mm -hmm. and i don't want them to live in a world where they're constantly fearing that the color of their skin could be the reason that Why they're they not alive and I have to live with the fact that when I have a son and he's only fucking, what, six years old, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to sit down and tell him, these are the things you can't do. Mm -hmm. 
because someone's gonna look at you and they're gonna think you're intimidating and he's not even fucking double digits yet no that's exactly how i felt with my nephews and that's so ridiculous and fucking painful it's terrible that we have to do that and it's terrible to answer those questions as to why yeah you know because what the fuck do you say because people are ignorant because people are hateful what is the reason why honestly i think for both Michaela and I there's so much that we could talk about and we could talk about this forever I think we need to end it yeah because it's a very it's fucking hard and emotional to talk about yeah and and it puts us in a really negative heavy mind space which really fucking sucks but this is the reality of our lives and what we face every day and obviously this is not going to be the last time we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about this as many times as we want and we're going to continue to spread awareness and talk about it um because it's important it's very very important like she said these are not just hashtags these are not just posts these are real people and it's so fucking important for them and for the families and for us to spread this awareness so I just really hope if you guys take anything away from this podcast today is educate yourself if you're not educated on this topic. Learn more about it and see what you can do to help because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We don't think that we can, um, I guess, list resources in the description box on our podcast. But um, if you go to my social media page, I have highlight with a bunch of, you know, um, links and a bunch of information Mm -hmm. and you know books and people mm-hmm. and social media pages that you can follow so i guess all there's left to say is black lives matter now and every day and not just in the face of tragedy if you liked listening make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in for the rest of season one because, because shit is just getting started bye now